Our psalm of the day comes from Psalm 87. On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her. For the, whole, for the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the people, this one was born there. Singers and dancers alike say, all my springs are in you. All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Our epistle reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in the scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do so. But you, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Let's pray. Dear gracious Father, we just thank you that you are a God who is with us and for us, a God who has chosen us, a God who has brought us in uh, to your family, to your temple, uh, to a city, Zion. And I pray as we look at this passage, Psalm 87, that we would be reminded of the glorious things that are spoken of the church, the city of God, the place that you dwell with your people. And we just pray all this in your great and wonderful name. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, well, thanks. Um, if we have not met, my name is Tommy Park. I'm the RUF campus minister at the university, the great university, the best university, the University of North Florida, the home of the swooping ospreys. Um, <laughs> Um, and so, first, I want to just say thanks. Uh, thanks for, uh, we have, me and my wife are about to start our 11th year there at the University of North Florida, and you guys have supported us from the very beginning, uh, and we thank you for that. Uh, and we also want to say thanks. Uh, uh, this is our home church, uh, and so thanks for loving and encouraging uh, our family, my kids, my wife. Uh, it's a great joy 
this morning uh, to bring you God's word. And this morning, we're going to continue our brief little series or study through the Psalms. And this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 87. Uh, This psalm is is famous, uh, famous about the church. And many of you are aware of the psalm because of John John Newton's hymn, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. Uh, One of the temptations that we face is that we often think about the church and look at it purely on a human point of view, from below, as it were. As we focus on its failings, its sins, its weakness, even as I serve on the college campus, many people I run into do not have good things to say about the church. Even here this morning, some of you may not have great things to say about the church either. That you don't have a great picture of it. Um, I assume that many of you um, have seen these videos, these touching videos on Facebook and YouTube where loved ones are videotaping uh, their loved ones opening these small packages. Uh, just a little parenthesis. If a family member gives you a small package and everybody's filming it, something's coming. Um, but there's these videos all over Facebook, and even one of my friends uh, have seen this. It's these glasses um, that you put on if you're colorblind, and it, it helps you see all these vivid colors that you've never seen before. And so you see these videos of these people who are totally colorblind put on these glasses and, and see life in full color for the very first time. And as they're videotaping, as you're watching these videos, you see for the first time their emotions of seeing life in the full. Uh, They're speechless. Uh, Tears flow down their face, and they're in amazement of the glory of the world around them in a way they've never seen before. And this morning, as we come to Psalm 87, may Psalm 87 give us the full spectrum of the vivid color of the way God sees the church, its beauty, and the way he cherishes the church and loves her. And so this morning, Psalm 87 invites us to look at Zion, the city of God, us, the church of Jesus Christ, from a whole nother vantage point, from above, as it were, celebrating the church's glories, her citizens, and enjoying her blessings. So let us look together at the full spectrum of why God says that the church is glorious. And so first, we're going to see that the church is glorious because God is the one who sets her foundations. Uh, Let's look at verses 1 through 3. It says here that on the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings, places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. And the first thing that we see here is that the church is glorious because God is the one who sets the very foundations. Uh, here the word he, he founded is, could be another word, could be he built or he creates. Uh, that he is the one who, who forms his church, his bride. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, we can take notice of the difference between villages and cities. Cities throughout the Old Testament, even in our modern world today, have walls surrounding around it to protect it. And we see throughout the Bible that God has surrounded his church. And even in our world, and even in the New Testament world, that he surrounds his church by the very walls of salvation. 
And so we see that the church is glorious because God is the one who forms it. God is the one who makes it. God is the one who wraps his walls of salvation around it to make it secure, to protect it, to make it his very own. Another great example of this in the Bible is Psalm 46, the very psalm that Martin Luther based his great hymn, Mighty Fortress is Our God. And listen to the psalm. It says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains may be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God and the holy dwelling of the Most High. God is in her midst. She shall not be moved. What a wonderful, comforting passage. There, God says, the earth may give way. The mountains may actually move into the heart of the sea. But the one thing that will not move is the church, the city of God, the one that he has founded. And so we see that the church is glorious because God is securing his church, the city of God. He is building it up. He is gathering his people and setting a firm foundation by gathering his people to the very farthest horizons. One of the favorite things for me to watch as a pastor and to notice is God literally gathering his people to the farthest horizons. Uh, one of my very favorite passages is Nehemiah chapter 1. Uh, there, uh, even Nehemiah prays that, that, God, you have promised that you would gather your people from the farthest horizons. Um, and one of my favorite things is to see that happening. Um, right here, right now, for example, if you look around, we are, all of us are not from the great city of Jacksonville. Uh, from a, from a, we are from other states, from other cities, from other countries. God is gathering his people. Uh, even this summer with our little group at RUF, uh, our little Bible study that we're doing on Wednesday nights, uh, in that group, we have, God has gathered his people uh, we have students from Jacksonville, Orlando, Naples, West Palm Beach, the great state of Texas, Delaware, Trinidad, China, Nigeria, and West Africa. The church is glorious because our God, the same God who made the heavens and the earth, is the same God who is gathering his people from the farthest horizons to make his church. So we see the church is glorious because God is the one who forms it. He is the one who makes it. He is the one who sets its very foundation. The same God that we read in Genesis 1, that we are amazed by him making all things out of nothing, is the same God that we read here, who's making his church, who's gathering his people from the farthest horizons, and is bringing us together to make us his body. And here he says, glorious things are thee are spoken, O city of God. And so we see that the church is glorious because God is the one who sets her foundation Second, we see the church is glorious because God loves to dwell with his people. Listen to verse 2 and 3. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are you, said, O city of God. Here in verse 2, we see that the Lord here clearly loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. That God loves to dwell with his people. 
about a decade ago, uh, I was living in a little city called Newport Ritchie. Um, if you know Newport Ritchie, it's probably because your grandparents live there. Um, and I was there at the, the Starbucks reading my Bible, and I remember, still pretty vividly, an older gentleman comes and taps me on my shoulder. Um, and he says this, he says, young man, God is walking around heaven with a picture of you in his wallet showing you off. Um, as a young seminary student, a lot of things came to my mind. For example, I'm not sure that God has a wallet. Um, and, and if he did have pictures of his people, he would probably have an iPhone. Um, but then I really considered the thought that there, God, the creator of the universe, the God who has all made all things, is crazy about me. That he is showing me off, as it were. And I want to ask you this question. Um, do you think that God thinks of you this way? Do you think that God thinks he is crazy about you? That God, if he did have an iPhone, would show you off to the very ends of the earth. That he would post you on his Instagram and like you a billion times. Because he loves and adores you. So much that he sent his one and only son to live and to die and to rise again. So that he could brag you off. Um, again, one of my favorite passages is Zephaniah 3.17 where it says this. Is that the Lord your God is with you that he is mighty to save, that he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. So we live in a world that is noisy, is loud. We listen to many other things that get our attention. And here, the good news of the gospel is that our God is with us, that he loves us, that he adores us, that he will rejoice over you and me and that he will sing and that he is with you. And so this morning, we need to be reminded that the church is glorious because our God is with us, that our God is the one who is crazy about us, that he loves to be here right now, dwelling with his people. And so we see that the church is glorious because he is the one who forms its foundation. We see that the church is glorious because he is the one who loves to dwell with his people. And thirdly, we see the church is glorious because God is the one who declares its family members. Listen to verses 4 through 6. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistine and Tyra with Cush. This one was born there, they said. And of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her. For the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as a register of the peoples, this one was born there. See, in these verses we see a list of these, these people. Uh, and usually, uh, as we read the Bible, uh, we usually run through those names. Skip over them. And this morning, I just want to take a second and to consider these names. Um, and the first thing that we will see that um, with all these names is all these names were former, uh, were God's former enemies. Uh, for example, Rahab, it's not, uh, it's the poetic name that was used for Egypt uh, there in Exodus, that these are the people who put 
the Israelites as slaves. Babylon troubled Israel its own existence. Even Revelation would call Babylon a whore or a prostitute. Uh, Philistine, again, always troubling Israel, always at war. And if you remember, Goliath is the famous one, the famous Philistine. Tyra was this rich city on the coast known for their greed. And then Cush, and maybe some of your translation have Ethiopia, was this poor city in Africa. The people of God, Israel, thought they were cursed by God because they were so poor. And so just imagine if you were an Israelite there on, on the Lord's Day singing this psalm, and you would come to this point and you would probably bite your tongue. Glorious things are said of who? Rahab, Babylon, Philistine, Tyra, and Cush? There is no way. You and I need to understand that the church and its members are filled with God's former enemies. Some of you are like, wow, wait a minute. I know I've done some bad things, but I've never been God's enemies. We need to remember that in the Bible over and over again, it mentions us before our conversion that we were his enemies, that Christ died for us. While we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. And again, we are just like how Israel viewed these people as enemies, as people who troubled them, people who were even cursed by God, and people they did not even like. And maybe that's why the gospel and Christianity does not mean that much to you, because you do not realize what you have been saved from. Or maybe God's love does not mean that much to you because you don't realize that you were once his former enemies. Just like when we skip over those names in the Bible, we often skip over this truth that at one time we were his enemies. Until you and I understand how messed up we truly are and how messed up we truly were, we will not see how glorious it is to be part of his church. So the reality is that some of you think you deserve to be here. And the reality is that none of us deserve to be here. Again, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. And since, since God has formed his family and he has filled his family with his former enemies, the question is before us, is how do we get in? How do we get into the church? How do we get into the city of God? How do we get into the city that is protected by his walls of salvation? Um, and the answer is that the way God brings his people in is that through adoption. One of the greatest doctrines of the Christian church is that of the doctrine of adoption. Uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism puts it this way. Adoption is an act of God's free grace whereby we receive into the number and have, have the right and all the privileges of the sons of God. The heart of the Christian life is this, and the heart of the Christian church is the gospel, the, the God, the creator of the universe. Again, the same God who has made all things, the same God who we read in Colossians 1, who's holding all things together. And the same God who will come back to make all things right is the same God who has adopted you, who is adopting you into his family. I mean, the reality is this, is if you know anyone who's been affected by adoption, that changes everything. It changes your parents, 
your siblings, your house, and even your birth certificate changes. Everything changes. All things are new. And here in the psalm, we see this phrase that is used three times. This one was born in Zion. And let me ask you another question is this. Have you ever heard that before? That this one is born in Zion. Have you ever heard that being true in your own heart? Has that ever landed in your soul that because of God adopting you, It is true of you that you are born in Zion, the very city of God. Let me ask you again another question. Have you ever imagined where you would be if God, the creator of the universe, did not come and swoop you up to adopt you, to bring you into his family, his city, his temple, his body? I would imagine some of you would have stories to tell or where you would be, or where you could be. But the good news of the gospel is that we all have stories to tell of where we are because of the good news of the gospel, because of our love and redeeming Savior coming to bring us into his family, that our God has adopted us. He has brought us in. The early church um, had a saying that, that we always refer to God as our Father and the church as our mother. Even Galatians 4:26 would hint to this reality. It said, but the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. And again, a question I have for you again this morning is this, is do you see the church, and maybe even this church, as your family? Do you know that God has adopted you, that he has sought you out and picked you and brought you here and placed you here in this building with these people to call each other brothers and sisters in the Lord. Has that ringed in your soul that this one and that one was born in Zion? Again, the church is glorious because God is the one who declares her members. And the last thing we see here is that the church is glorious because this is where we find true life. Uh, Listen to verse 7. Singers and dancers alike say, all my springs are in you. Uh, This verse is a very interesting verse because the psalmist here leaves it very open. Uh, Even our friend John Calvin was complex um, by this passage. Uh, And the question is, all my springs are in you. Well, it, it seems to be kind of vague. You know, where is it or who is it? Who is this springs? Where do we find these springs? Who is it? It um, seems like the options are either these springs or these fountains are found in, in God or in his church. Um, and I looked in all these commentaries I stole from Chuck's office. Um, and I'll give you a clue. Um, all the commentaries were split on this issue. Half said God and half said the people of God. Um, one would say that this was ambiguous on purpose. Because I wondered and I thought, well, what if it's both? What if the springs of life are found in God and his people? That the two of them are so intertwined that we often get the two confused. 
Uh, I think even Jesus would agree with this point. Uh, For example, in, in the book of Acts, when Jesus approached Paul about persecuting this church, Jesus said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? So again, God has so aligned himself with his people that his place, this place, is the very place that we find God. Again, if you truly want to get to know the God of the Bible, you've got to meet the very people of God. The church, this church, is the very place that we feel the very streams of God's grace. We taste and see that the Lord is good as we hear the very preaching and reading of God's word. As we experience the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, we feel it within fellowship as we commune with one another. And I would say, it was, it's, I know it's true for some of you that have come to Christ Church that, that when you came here, you did not meet a bunch of really cool people. And you were able to fellowship with people that you were drawn to. But at the same time, you met God, the living God, the God of the Bible for the very first time. The church is glorious because God has placed and designed this church in a place that we can experience the very, the living God. This is where we experience life. This is where true life is found because God is here. God is with us. And the question, again, I have for you this morning is where do you find life? In other words, where stream are you drinking from? Is it your career, your work, your home, your summer vacation, your friendships? We need to understand that true life is found here in this church. We need to understand that our relationship with God is just a, it's not a, a you and him reality. That he has designed our relationship with him to be with the people who are around us right now. The people who are sitting next to us, in front of us, and behind us. As we engage with one another, there's another way for us to taste and see that the Lord is good. This is a place, even as Presbyterians, that we can sing and dance because our Lord is good and that he has placed us here to find true life. And so this morning, as we took a glimpse at Psalm 87, as we saw the glorious things of the city of God, I hope, to, hope and pray that you see the full spectrum and wonder and glory of the church Again, I hope and pray that Psalm 87 will give you a new vantage point of the glorious things said of you, O city of God. That as we see how great we are, that it will excite us in such a way that we would reach out to this city of Jacksonville to invite people into the walls of this salvation to taste and see that the Lord is good. Glorious things of you, O city of God. As we close, listen to these words from John Newton, from his hymn, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. See the streams of living waters, springing from eternal love, well supplies thy sons and daughters, and all fears of want remove. Who can faint while such a river even flows their thirst to quench? Grace, which is like the Lord the giver, never fails 
from age to age. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, we thank you that you are a God who is truly with us. A God who has made all things out of nothing. You spoke and there it was. You are also the same God who has created and built up your church. The very walls of Zion, the city of God. And that you speak and you call us glorious. And I pray this morning that we would be reminded of that, that sweet and wonderful truth. That the church you see is not the church that we see. You see a church that's glorious because you're the one who sets its foundation. You see a church that's glorious because you love to dwell here. You're a church, you see a church that's glorious because you are the one who calls in its members. And the church is glorious because, because this is where we find true life. I pray as we leave that we leave with the great full perspective, vantage point of the glorious things that are said of us, O city of God. Amen.